Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. this picture of this apple tree that's coming up. This picture of this apple tree you see, the one in the middle is needing something. I mean, it's, it's, it's dying. You can see the leaves are brown, the apples do not have full color, and so forth. So I want to tell you that, you know, what we could do, what the natural response to that is, is that we could, this is, matter of fact, I just want you to own the tree. It's your tree, all right? It's your tree. So what you could do is you could walk out to that tree and you could begin to blame that tree and say, you know what, you're such a sorry apple tree. Look at all these other apple trees beside you. You should be better than this. You know, or you could curse the tree. You could go out there and just curse it out. Just say, you know what, you blankety blank tree, you're no good. You could even threaten the tree, right? You could go out there with an ax and say, if you don't get better, I'm gonna cut you down, right? I mean, you could threaten the tree you know, you, we, could, we could do all of those things to the tree. But let me ask you something. Will any of that make the tree any better? No. no. Your tree won't get better. Let me ask you a question. What can we do to make our tree better? Somebody tell me. What can we do? Water it. I heard that. Fertilize it. I heard that. Anything else? Nurture it. So we could do some things to make our tree better. Would you agree with that? And so, so what I wanted to challenge you today is we start this series of habits. And I, I hope that you'll hang with me the next couple of weeks because it's just, we're just going to build each week. Is that we would see that the little things that we would do, like watering our tree, fertilizing our tree, <clears throat> pruning our tree, even tilling the soil around the tree would make our tree better. The little things would make it better over time. I want to share this with you. It's the little things in life, habits that make or break our life. A habit is something that you do automatically without thinking a lot about it. I want, to, I want to share a truth with you. 40% of everything that you do every day is a habit. You don't think a lot about it. You know, it's the little things, again, that make the biggest difference. If we were um, gonna board a plane in Los Angeles and we were gonna fly to New York, we were gonna get on that big plane, if we were going to do that, we, and we set off on our course off the runway, if, if we were off 3.5% on takeoff and it never was corrected, you know, 3.5% is about this, this much. If the plane's off that much on takeoff and continues to be off that much as we go on the course, you would be halfway across the country before you even realized that you was off course. But if you stayed off course, 3.5% or basically eight feet from the time you took off runway, you would not land in New York City. You'd land in Washington, D.C. It's the little bitty things that make the biggest difference. I cannot overemphasize that. It's the little things. It's the little habits that we do that make the biggest difference in our lives. So I uh, want you to know in life, you get what you repeat. Let me say that again. In life, you get what you repeat. In your relationships, in your finances, in your spiritual life, you get what you repeat. 
At Christmas, I got to spend some time with my father, and I've shared with you many occasions that his health is declining. He's been a diabetic for over 40 years, and my father would tell you that he has not taken care of himself. He's ignored his, 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 his diagnosis. He's ignored that. And he's continued a pattern of bad habits of eating and not exercising for a long period of time. And here's the one statement I hear my father saying now as he's walking with a walker, can barely move, and that he can't see. Here's the one statement I hear him make. I never thought I'd wind up like this. I never thought I'd wind up like this. What he would tell you, he would come here and stand here today if he could and tell you. He would say that, you know, my, uh, my condition is a lagging result of my habits of all these years. I didn't, you know, because with diabetes, my father would tell you, there's no immediate feedback. But it's all the years of bad habits that's caught up with him. And now he finds himself in that condition. I want to tell you today that your habits, the little things that you do, are the things that can change your life. They can change your life. And so I would say this. There's a statement that I'm going to bring up on the screen at this time. I would like you to take out your phones, and I'd like for you to take a picture of me. Okay, no, I'm just kidding, all right? No. Don't want to break your new camera on your phone, right? Your iPhone 11 can't handle this. I want you to take a picture of these words because they are life-changing words. And I, I hope that you will share them on your social media. And let's just read them together. You ready? Come on, let's read them. Ready? The quality of my habits determine the quality of my life. Would you read that with me one more time? You ready? The quality of my habits determine the quality of my life. That is a true statement if one was ever made. And today what I hope to do over the next couple of weeks is that, is that if you will just hang with me, I want to lay a foundation today but that we're going to begin to, to hone in on the little changes that we can make in our life that make such a big difference. So the question is this that I have on your outline or the statement that I have that we want to talk about, the title, How to Improve My Life. How many of you would like to have an improvement in your life? Let me see your hands. Okay, that's the majority of us. The rest of you, dear God, bless your hearts. You know, uh, I hope you're not stuck right there. <laughs> There's three things I want to share with you today that I think can help move the needle in your life. The first one I want to share with you is this, is choose to start life-giving habits. Choose to start life-giving habits. My father would tell you that he did not start life-giving habits. His was the reverse. As we go into this, I want to just share with you, why is it so easy to start a bad habit? And I can tell you, it's very easy to start a bad habit, isn't it? Yes. I mean, like everything in me wants to eat a pint of ice cream before I go to bed at night. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Dear God, Friday went by Dairy Queen. It was awesome. I mean, I just had a hallelujah moment. I went by Dairy Queen and I got that cone dipped in chocolate and it was just wonderful. And I want you to know, I could eat that. I could eat that every day of the week. I could do that. And the reason being is because when, when, that, when that chocolate and that vanilla hits my tongue, all of a sudden it just has a fit. And all these emotions go through my body. It's like, this is good, Jeff. This is good. You want more of this, right? 
So the immediate feedback that my body gives me is, this is good. And see, when a bad habit is, it's always the immediate feedback is good, but the long-term outcome is bad. See that? With a bad habit. Immediate feedback is good. Oh, it feels, it feels so good, but the long-term outcome is bad. The reverse is true with a good habit. Would you agree with that? A good habit, when you begin to start a good habit, it doesn't feel good, does it? I mean, some of you have said this year you're going to get in shape. And you're thinking, tomorrow morning I'm going to start. You've already said that. Well, tomorrow morning when your alarm goes off a little earlier, all of a sudden it will not feel that great, will it? Matter of fact, your body's going to tell you, well, I don't feel good today, right? Oh, I'm tired. I stayed up too late last night. You know, oh, it's cold outside. I can't get out of this bed right now, right? I mean, that's what my body tells me that every day. I'll tell you the greatest exercise movement I've learned in my whole entire life, and that is this. When my alarm clock goes off, is this movement. That's moving the covers off of my body, right, and get out of bed. That's it. That's the number one move. I said, the best workout plan is this one right here, taking the covers off and getting out of the bed. You know, um, I'm going to, I go to the gym, and so I'll go in the morning, and I can tell you it's January. Tomorrow, I will not be able to get on a, a, a treadmill. I will not be able to get on an elliptical machine. And I will not be able to, to I'll have to, you know, sort of wait my time and to get the weights. Why? Because so many people are going to bombard that gym tomorrow. But I'm not worried. I've been there before. I know, give it about three weeks, I'll be able to get anything I want. I can, I can identify the newcomers and the ones that are, they got their, they got their new Christmas clothes on, you know, their gym clothes. They look, they look good. They look good. Uh, yeah, you look good, but I won't see you in a long, right? You two weeks and one week, three weeks, you're out of here. That's right. I'll take your machine. And that's sort of the way. Why? Because it doesn't feel good, right? I'm, nothing feels good about getting up earlier. Nothing feels good about going to the gym. It doesn't feel good, but the long-term results are very good. Amen? I mean, listen, you don't get looking this good and stay looking this good. I just had to throw one in there for myself. When you're this ugly, you've got to brag on yourself. <laughs> There's a guy in the Bible by the name of Daniel. Daniel, let me tell you a story. Daniel was in Israel, and the king of Babylon, which is present-day Iraq, come down, invaded the country. As he invaded the country, he took prisoner a lot of people, a lot of Jewish people, and Daniel was one of them. But he, the king of, of Babylon, or Iraq, present-day Iraq, he began to notice something about Daniel that really made him want Daniel to be on his team and in his cabinet. Look what it says right here. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrator and satraps, which is like governors, by his what? Exceptional, Exceptional qualities. qualities, his habits, that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. In other words, Daniel's habits is what the king noticed. I want to share this with you as we begin this journey together. As you can make changes in your life is this. Don't focus on a big goal. Many of you have set New Year's resolutions. That's great. But they're, sometimes they're so big that they're overwhelming. Don't focus on the big goal. Focus on the small changes that you can make, the small things that you can do. 
Don't, don't think about, you know, I want to lose 50 pounds or, or, or whatever. Just think about the small little changes that you can make in your life, and over time, you'll get the results that you're looking for. Now, this even works in relationships. In relationships, what, you know, what I've noticed is this, is that you get what you give out in relationships. The way you treat people is the way that you're likely going to be treated. As we said at Christmas Eve, life is an echo. What you send out comes back. And so here's the deal. If you begin to treat people a little nicer, there's a high probability, just a little bit. I'm talking about, I know some of you, that's going to be really hard, all right? But I'm talking about a 1%. If you treat them 1% nicer, it's amazing how the return will be. Now, I've been very transparent through the years about Rhonda and I's relationship in our marriage. We've had ups and downs like everybody else. And I've been very transparent about a lot of that stuff. Amen, everybody? Amen. Some of you are like, please don't tell me no more. I can't take it. <laughs> TMI, TMI, right? Well, I want to tell you some things that we have done right. I want to share with you that, you know, some of the things that we've done right is one percenters. It's not the big things. We had a dream of what marriage should be like, but it's not the, it's not the big trip that we, we thought we could take a big trip, you know, go on a cruise together, and then all of a sudden our marriage would be great. That never works, okay? So here's some things that we did in our relationship. And again, it's just an example. One thing was is that we started dating again. That was, you know, when we went to counseling years ago, he said, listen, one thing that I would advise you to do is date because we put all our emphasis on our children and our family and our church. And he says, date again. And I can tell you from that time forward, we have kept that commitment, whether it be a morning breakfast together or we go out in the evening to, uh, to a movie or, what, or to just eat or whatever. It doesn't matter. We've had that time. And it's made a big difference. Another thing that we've done in our life, in our relationship to make it better is that we pray together at night. Now, I know you're looking at me and you're saying, you're a pastor, you're supposed to do that, right? Well, no, I'm a man and it's weird. Amen. <laughs> I, I know I'm not supposed to say that to you because I'm supposed to say, oh, well, you know, you need... No, it is weird to pray with your wife right before you go to sleep. It's just weird to do that. But I can tell you, after about seven or eight years of doing that, that the intimacy in our relationship has went way up. And I can tell you this, is that, you know, now Rhonda and I look forward to date nights, and we look forward to that. And, oh, my goodness, I got to stop talking about it. I'm going to leave right now. <laughs> mm, I just broke out in a sweat. Mm. We love that time together now because it's become a habit, and it's something we look forward to. And here's the deal. When you pray together every night, if you're praying together, it's hard to be fighting at the same time. And so what we learned is this, is that if we will take that, that five minutes, I'm not talking about going in and praying. Listen, if you can talk, you can pray, and just saying, God, thank you for this beautiful woman right here beside me that's laying in my bed right now. Hallelujah, glory to God. And that's, that's it. She, she fills in all the blanks. She's like, oh, my man thinks I'm hot. Yes, I do. Hallelujah. You didn't know you could talk to God about that, about your spouse right there. It, it, it just builds intimacy. Now, here's the deal. I'll just transparent again. If we are having one of those days that we're having a lot of discussions, <laughs> we have them. We pray the Lord's Prayer. Amen. 
So whenever we get into bed at night and somebody says, our father, we know it's a bad deal. <laughs> somebody says, our father. And then usually we'll crack up and work it out, you know, and, and go on. But another thing, again, one percenters, I'm just talking about one percent change that make a hundred percent difference over time is every two weeks we go over our budget together. If you don't, listen, if you ain't on the same page with your money, your honey is messed up. No honey, no money, right? And so, so you, we, we learned that we have to do that, communicate about that, and it's helped us move forward. Now, personally, some things that I've had to do to help my relationships with uh, my children, friends, and coworkers is this. Number one is I have to stop complaining. And I don't know, this is, it's in my DNA somehow to be a griper. I could, man, I can just find something bad in a minute. It's not natural. Some of you, you're naturally optimistic. I'm not. So here's what I do. Do any of you remember being in school and the teachers, you know, you threw paper on the ground. The teacher said, I want you to write 100 sentences. says, I will not throw paper on the ground. Anybody remember that? Okay, there's a few of you. Well, I, I had to write some of those sentences, you know. And so this is what I had to do. Again, a habit is if you go back and look in my notebook that I have, I had to write myself a sentence every day. Your words will bring life and you will not complain. And that one percenter changed who I am. And, and guess what? Not only is it not complaining, but also it's not only not complaining, but I had to quit advising. Because, see, I've learned so much. I read so much and learn and I want to get better. And I want everybody to be better. And so all the, every time they're around me, I'm telling them something they can do. You need, you need to do this. You need to do that. And so I've learned with my children, with my friends, with my coworker, I can't always advise. I have to learn to listen. And so those have been changes that have drastically changed my life. It's one percenters. See, quit looking at the big goal and saying, oh, I want this. No, you just start working at the little tweaks, and they'll bring you the highest peaks. Amen? Now watch this. What I want to tell you about making these small adjustments in your life that are so powerful Man, I want you to get better. Do you, do you know I love you? No, 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 seriously. Do you know that I love you? Yeah. I do. And I so much want your life to just get better. Just get better. I'm not saying this horrible. I just want to get better. And so what I've learned is this, is that when you begin to work on the little things and you, you, you've got your process in place, okay, because your process will bring your progress, and so when you got your process in place, you're doing those little things. Again, going back to Rhonda and I, you know, we're dating. You know, that was one little change we made for years. Then we started praying together. That was another change we made for years. Then we started reviewing our budget, and that was another. And all of a sudden, it was our process that got us our progress that made us where we are today. Now, here's what I want, here's what I want to talk about. If you start a new process with a little habit change, a life-giving habit change, you don't have to wait until you reach the goal to be happy. Some of you say, well, I'll be happy when. Let me tell you something, you'll never be happy. And when you say, I'll be happy when, I, this starts happening and this starts happening. No, no, you start with a little thing. It's like this. When our kids were smaller, we'd go to Disney World about once a year. Oh, and we say, oh, we're going to Disney next week, and our kids would get excited. And then we go over and we, you know, have the car packed, and we go get in the car. And when we got in the car, we say, okay, we're heading to Disney World. They got excited. They didn't wait till we rolled in the gates to see Mickey Mouse. No, they got excited right then. They were excited the whole journey. They were happy the whole journey. And see, I would challenge you with your habits is to get in the car. 
That's what you're doing. You're getting in the car when you start your habits, and you realize that you're on your journey so you can be happy right now while you're in the process. See, that's what changes your life. It's not the big things. You're looking for the big things. No, 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 no. It's not the big things. It's the little things. And I challenge you to make those decisions. So the best decision that you can make, of course, is the decision to follow Jesus Christ. And so I would tell you that if you want this year to be better or 2020, this decade to be get better, is put Jesus at the center and let Jesus take the wheel. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we have a prayer inside of our program. Here it's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. I hope that you will pray that prayer today. Make that decision today and become a Christ follower. And when you do, we just ask you to check it on the back of this card. It says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. Okay. Let's put on the screen again our statement. And I hope that you'll remember this the rest of your life. It's coming up. Let's say it together. You ready? Here we go. The quality of my habits determine the quality of my life. Remember our apple tree? You can curse it, threaten it, whatever. But until we do something different, you see, too many people are doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. See, you've got to change the little things to get the big result over time. All right. Number two is this. Let's write this down. Number two is stay persistent with my life-giving habits when it's not easy. Stay persistent with my life-giving habits when it's not easy. Again, going back to Daniel. So the people in Daniel's or in the king's government didn't like Daniel. They, so they just come up with this plan on how to get rid of him. And they knew that they couldn't find any flaws in his life because his daily life-giving habits were helping him be a person of character. And so what they did was they, they got the king high, they got the king high on his ego. And they started telling the king how great he was, how awesome he was. And they said, king, matter of fact, you're so great. Anybody that prays to any god or anything else for the next 30 days, they need to be thrown into a lion's den. And the king's like, yes, boys, you're right, because he was high on his ego. And so sure enough, that decree come down. Now look what happens here. Look what it says. Now, when Daniel learned that that decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem. How many times a day? Three, Three times a day. He got down on his knees and what? Pray. Giving thanks to God. Now, would you just read this last part, everybody, out loud with me? Let's read. You ready? Just as he had done before. In other words, when Daniel got the decree that you couldn't pray anymore, it didn't change Daniel because Daniel knew that prayer was a life-giving habit. He didn't set a new goal to try to win the king's favor anymore. No, what Daniel done, what he's always done. He replied on the prayer, the spiritual habit of prayer, even though that it was going to cost him his life, is what everybody said. And I want to tell you, when you have, you, you, oh man, this is so good. You never rise to the level of your goals. You always fall to the level of your habits. You never rise to the big dreams, what it ought to be, what it should be. You know, this is what we want. You never rise to that. You always fall to the level of your habits. If you want your marriage to get better, you've got to change some of the habits. If you want your relationship with your parents to get better, you have to change some of the habits. You know, if you want your relationship with your coworkers to get better, you have to change some of the habits. And if you want your finance to get better, you doggone better change some habits. Amen? Amen? You've got to change. It's the little changes that bring the biggest return. And that's what Daniel realized. He leaned on his habit. When you don't know what else to do, you're going to fall to your habits and do what you've always done. So have some good habits because you're going to go there. You're going to go there. 
You know, why is it so hard to build good habits that don't last? Like I said at the gym, you know, it's because we quit before we see the results. Before, you know, again, those people that are going to the gym, they want, you know, some people say, you know, I want to I lose 30 pounds this year. Well, when they go to the gym just for one month, they might not even see their body change at all. I mean, you know what, it, in one month may not change your body. I mean, it may take a whole year. But you know what, so they quit on the process. It reminds me of a movie that, I, uh, that came out in 1984 in my generation when I was a teenager called Karate Kid. It's been a remake. Anybody ever seen that movie, Karate Kid, a remake? Oh, yes, there you go. The first service scared me. They hadn't seen it. In that movie, Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi has a student named Daniel, and he's trying to teach Daniel karate. But one of his methods of training Daniel is bringing Daniel to his house, and he tells Daniel to do chores. Like he tells him, okay, Daniel, I want you to paint my fence. He said, when you paint the fence, I want you to do this, you know? And then he says, okay, then Daniel, I want you to paint the house. And when you paint the house, I want you to do this, this way. He says, Daniel, okay, now I want you to, to wax my car. And he says, Daniel, I want you to wax on, wax off, right? Oh, yeah, you got me now. You follow? You tracking with me now. That's right. And so, so Daniel gets tired of it, right? I mean, like, he, this, this kid's like, you know, he finally had to. He sees no, all you do is have me come and do all these chores. You just give me do all this work for you. There's no result. I want you to teach me karate. He says, Daniel, son. My favorite line. It's the only one I got down. Daniel, son. So, okay, Daniel, son, I'm going to, he said, I'm going to throw a punch at you. And so he said, when I throw this punch, I want you to, I want you to paint the fence. And so he goes to throw a punch at Daniel. When he does, Daniel does like that. He blocks it. And then all of a sudden he said, okay, Daniel, I'm going to, I'm going to throw another punch and I want you to, I want you to wax on. And so he throws the punch and Daniel does like that, blocks it, you know. And he said, okay, Daniel, I'm going to throw another punch. I want you to paint the house. And he throws another punch and Daniel does like that, blocks it. What he didn't realize was, is Mr. Miyagi was teaching him muscle memory. That his muscles would remember those motions that when it come time to learn karate, he already had the motions down. And see, many of us in our, in our journey about learning and, new, you know, wanting to accomplish goals, we quit before we, get the mo- before we get the memory down of how to do it, the muscle memory down. And you have to train yourself. And what I'm trying to say is that don't quit. Stick to your process because your process will determine your progress. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's good. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the levels of your habits. And so we want to set life-giving habits. You know, in my life, there's some guys that were close to me that, are, that had moral failures. Two guys in particular that it happened within the same year. They didn't really know each other, but they were close to me. And it bothered me really bad. And it scared me. Because if it could happen to them, it could happen to me. And so I went and sat down with them at different times. Again, they didn't know each other. I went and sat down with one guy and said, listen, talk to me. Tell me why. Tell me what happened. And he shared with me. And the other guy went and sat down with him at a different time. And I said, share with me what happened. And both of them said the same thing, even though they didn't know each other. They said, Jeff, I'm going to tell you, they were strong Christian men. They said, what happened was this is that I quit having my daily time with God. Both of them said the same thing. And when I quit having my daily time with God, then all of a sudden I loosened up my guard and I, I lowered my standards and I found myself in a situation I never wanted to be in. You see, what I want to challenge you to do is this. I want to challenge you to have a plan for a spiritual 
growth in your life. Watch this. In football, they have what's called the two-minute drill. And that means that, uh, you know, because the most points in a football game are scored in the last two minutes, the last two minutes before halftime and the last two minutes of the game. And they have, so a two-minute drill is what they practice every time because they know there's only going to be two minutes left. they got to do their best to try to win. And so they practice that all the time. And so, they will, and so when there's only two minutes left on the clock, it's, me, it's, it's like they're automatic. They're just doing what they know to do. They don't even have to huddle. They just know what to do. And what I want to challenge you in your spiritual life is I want you to develop a two-minute drill. I want you to decide that, you know what, I'm going to read my Bible for one minute and I'm going to pray for one minute. I don't, I don't care where I have to do it. And some of you, listen, I don't care if you have to go to work and, and hide in a bathroom stall for two minutes and you're in there reading the Bible and you're praying out loud and the people on the other side are wondering, what in the world is going on in there? They're bad. they got to pray for it. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was just funny. It came to me. <laughs> Oh, my goodness, I got to stop. In here, it's still going. <laughs> but, but you got to just a two-minute drill. Listen, you young mothers, let me tell you something. You young mothers, you got young children, you don't have any time to yourself. I, know, I understand that. You have no time. They follow you everywhere. They're into something all the time. Why don't you just go lock yourself into the bathroom at home just for a few minutes and let them bang on the door and say, Mommy, Mommy, and you just say, God, I'm reading the Bible. I don't care if it's standing right there knocking on the door all day. I'm going to read one minute. I'm going to pray one minute because, God, if you don't help me, I'm going to kill a child. <laughs> right? A two-minute drill can save your life spiritually. I'm not asking you to pray for one hour. I'm not asking you to read the Bible for 30 minutes. I'm asking you for, one, for two minutes, one minute of reading, one minute of prayer, two minutes. I don't know what's worse, the person who can't read or the person who won't read. I don't know. Why don't you make a deal? You know, I have this great book right here that I'd like to recommend to you. Uh, it's called Your Opportunity for a Better Life. The author's not that great, but it's a good book. There's 171 pages in this book. Some of you have not read a book in your entire life. You, like me, you cheated on book reports. You know how you read this book? One page a day. 171 pages. Guess what? In about six months, you go, man, I read a book. You can change your life. It's habits. It's the little, doing the little things every day can change your journey. It can change. It's the process, it's the process that creates the progress in your life. And I want to challenge you to do that. So, again, let's say what's coming up on the screen together. Let's say it together. Here we go. Ready? The quality of my habits determine the quality of my life. Going back to the story of Daniel is that we're about to see that Daniel, again, has been, he had to, the king had to follow through with his decree. He made it, wrote it in the law. And he had, he's going to throw, and Daniel will be thrown into the lines, and he's been thrown in there, and the king is about to come and see what's happened with Daniel. So number three, would you write this down? The third thing is this. It's keep my focus on my life-giving habits and let God take care of the outcome. It says this, look at Daniel. When he, talking about the king, come near the den, 
he called to Daniel in an, in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue from the lion? Daniel answered, isn't that great? Because he didn't think he would answer, but Daniel answered. Daniel answered, and he said, O king, live forever. Would you read those next two words out loud? Say that again. Say that one more time. My God. My God. Is he your God? My God. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouth of the lions. He can do whatever you need him to do. They have, they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. You see, Daniel had these life-given habits. There was character building, so he never wronged the king at all. He goes on to say, the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wounds were found on him because, why? Let's read what's underlined. Ready? He had trusted in his God. Oh, listen to this. Daniel done at home in the lion's den what he'd done in his own home. Did you catch that? What is he going to do? I mean, is Daniel scared? Yes, he's a human being. But what is he going to, what am I going to do when they throw me in the lion's den? He's going to do the same thing he's always done. And let me just tell you something. You will be tempted to quit your habits when things get difficult. When things get bad and difficult, you'll be tempted to let go. But that's when you need to hold on more than ever is keep doing what you've always done, those spiritual good habits, those life-giving habits. Do that. You see, this is what God, basically the life of Daniel tells us this, is that you take care of your input and God will always take care of your outcome. Wow. You take, you take care of what you're putting in here. You take care of the little habits that you're building, and God will take care of the outcome. When you begin a life-giving habit, you know what? The breath of God that gives life will breathe on you, and before you know it, you're going to look back and say, look where we come from. You know, that's the greatest thing about Rhonda being married 32 years. Oh, by the way, my ring is being polished. It's not on today. Rhonda and I had our rings are being uh, polished, and we had to leave them with a jeweler, so I... I feel naked today because for 32 years I've worn that. Matter of fact, if you look closely, you can see the indention of the ring. But what I'm telling you is this. It's because of the decision to make little changes in our lives that right now we look back over 32 years and we say, there's been bumps in the road. But you know what? Right now is good. It's good. And some of you, that's what's about to happen. No matter how long it's been, if you can just begin right now to begin to make those little changes in your life, those God-given habits. And next week, if you come, if you come back next week, I'm going to show you the how-to to, to develop better habits. And, and, and through Godly, it's going to be great. There's a couple things I want you to do with me. Is that next tomorrow, we're starting what we're calling 21 days of prayer and fasting. That means for 21 days... We're going to pray, and we're going to give up something, something that matters to us, something that matters to you for 21 days, in order that that something may remind us to pray. You know, like, there's, when I give up that ice cream, let me tell you something. When I have that urge on Friday to have that ice cream, all of a sudden, oh, dear God, oh, Jesus, Lord, help me, right? That's what fasting reminds you to pray. I want you to give up something. For 21 days, I want you to pray with us. At 1.55 every day for the next 21 days, I'll go live on Facebook, and I'm going to be praying a prayer with you that I've given to you. And this card is called Our Core Four Prayer. I'm going to show you how to pray that to be impactful. And it'll be live on Facebook. So if you'd like to join me, just friend request me, and you can uh, join us uh, for that time of prayer. It'll only be about five minutes. 
So you can join us there. Also, next Sunday morning, we're going to pray. And so if you'd like to join us for prayer before church at 815, we're going to be back in our West Auditorium. We're going to be praying. We're going to be calling the name of God before our services start. I'll invite you to do that. I'll invite you to do that. Would you go ahead and stand with me now? I've been very, very transparent and honest with you. Now it's time for you to be honest with yourself. The truth of the matter is this, is that there needs to be an exchange today because you have some habits that are not life-giving that you need to get rid of. And you need spiritual help to do that. And so you need to make an exchange today. All of us, every one of us in this room, there's changes that we need to make. And life's not going to get better until you change. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.